Welcome to the Web3 Writers Hour, the place where blockchain and writing intersect with writers and readers. The Web3 Writers Hour is brought to you by Vagabond Magazine and published on Apple Podcasts through the Substack app. You can find all the episodes on Apple Podcasts or at Vagabond, V-A-G-O-B-O-N-D dot Substack dot com. Our theme music is composed by the amazingly talented Paolo Argento and brought to us courtesy of Pixabay. You can find the link in the show notes. Gio, GM, this is the Web3 Writers Hour. I'm CD Domicio, joined by co-host Edward Carpenter, Cryptoversal Books, and we've got our friends Odd Writings. Andy is up here as well, and it's a special October 31st edition. We're, uh, we're hoping you guys want to read some stuff. Uh, Edward has asked me if I have some things to read. I have a couple things that I'd like to read. One of them's a little longer, and one of them's just going to be a little clip, um, if we have time. But I'd love to hear what you guys have going on first. Edward, how about you? So I have a, a variety of things I, I could read a couple of minutes from, um, and I uh, could give it to uh, let people choose what they want to hear. I might just pick one. Um, but yeah, I can definitely uh, put in two minutes of reading from a project that's in work uh, that will hopefully appear uh, perhaps as an NFT, um, eventually as an NFT for sure, uh, but uh, maybe somewhere else in uh, the literary world as well. That's super cool. Uh, Cryptoversal Books, what do you have going on? What I have today is I airdropped seven tokens of Project 12 to uh, Year in the Book holders. Uh, Year in the Book is my reward token that's mintable on the CryptoVersalBooks.io website. And Project 12 is my current project that's going to be something like an old-style Infocom uh, game. Um that's that's uh, updated for Web three. So as you as you go through the maze, you collect tokens that unlock um, various parts of uh, the story and the maze and and different puzzles and objects. So um, I have seven tokens so far. Five of them are locations. One of them is uh, a character. One of them is a weapon. And those went out to uh, holders of the year token today. Dude, that's amazing. I love how you never stop experimenting. You never stop rewarding your collectors and your readers. And the same thing with Edward. I mean, you guys you guys are always pushing the limits of what can be done in the Web3 writer space. And I'm super honored to host this show with, with both of you and to be friends with you both. It's, it's amazing to hear all of it. I'm always inspired. Uh, likewise. Okay, well, um, Edward, if you've got something... Uh, oh, actually, uh, I want to say hi to PMB, who just joined us up on the stage. And also, we've got Rihanna Morgan joining us. And, and as always, you guys, the Web3 Writers Hour is a conversation. It's where Web3 writers come together and talk about what's happening in the world of Web3 writing, where blockchain and creativity intersect. Yeah. So if you have something to say, if you have something you want to share, make sure you raise your hand and let us know so that you can get up here. So, Edward, do you want to start uh, by reading us something so this was sort of the thought. The thought was we would bring October 31st appropriate stuff and, and maybe share a little bit of it, not necessarily written by ourselves, but things that we like. And it doesn't have to be Web3 related because, you know, Halloween. I've got a, uh, I've got a, uh, uh, a palindrome poem I'd like to read at some point. So maybe after Edward, I can uh, give that a shot. You know what? Why don't you just go for it right now, Odd Writings? We'll come back to Edward in a second. 
All right, so um, so this is a word unit palindrome. Uh, so you can read it backwards and forwards, uh, word by word. Uh, and uh, it's called Murder by Locomotive. And uh, let me flip on over so I can uh, so I can read it here. Hey, wait, before you start reading Odd Writings, I want to talk about this because I've been following your art that you've been generating with this. You've been giving it away on scent to people who want to mint it. The art is so amazing. The writing is amazing. And you're publishing all of this in a book in December, right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've got it in, uh, uh, it's on my Twitter, uh, like the, the opening part of my Twitter thing. Um, yeah, essentially this, so I have this long, this long poem. Uh, it's 223 words long which means, and it's the word unit palindrome, which means is the first 111 words, and then there's one pivot word, which is the one in the center, and then the original 111 words backwards, right? Yeah, there you go. You, you, put, you stuck it up there for me. Um, and, uh, and so that's kind of neat because it's a palindrome, right? One, 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 one. Uh, and uh, essentially, it's kind of a, a project I've been working on where I'm, I'm, I'm selling a book and in in the book, I'm I'm printing that poem, but then for every three words, I'm generating using artificial intelligence an image to see how a computer would interpret those three words. Because of course, if the computer only had those three words, they're all taken out of context, right? So what's it going to make out of those three words? Uh, and because 111 is even divisible by three, um, and we got 111 words and then one pivot word and the last 111 words. That means this, the first half of the images and the first half of the images are the same as the second half of the images, but with the words reversed. In other words, uh, you know, the, be the beginning starts to dark the outside. Okay. And so there's also going to be an image outside dark. So it's going to be interesting to see how the images are different if, if they're like, you know, they're generated using different seeds, so they're going to be different anyways. But um, uh, maybe for the next one, I'll use the same seed. But but if only the the order of the words change, uh, that's I think that's kind of neat to see what the what the AI would come up with. Uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of a long thing. I'm giving away uh, various various uh, uh, on scent on various uh, NFTs of the images along with an explanation. But I also have the images I'm selling as NFTs individually as one of ones without the explanation. So there's kind of a it's kind of a double thing. And people who collect all 75 of the free NFTs will be able to put I'll I'll put their website and or their social or you know whichever they prefer inside of the book itself because the book will be uh, published on December the first. And so that's a way of getting people to, you know, see your, 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 your own, you know, draw eyeballs to your own, your own work. So it's kind of a, it's a little complicated. It's hard for me to explain it all, but hopefully if you go to the, uh, uh, if you go to my website, oddwritings.com, uh, and then, and then look for uh, Murder by Locomotive, it'll, it'll explain it more there. Okay, so before you read, I want to ask you, like, the AI portion of your art, dude, your art, the AI art is so cool. I mean, it's sort of like, Salvador Dali-esque with a little bit of, I don't know, some, something else thrown in there. Maybe maybe even like a little bit of like the, the macabre, like Frida Kahlo um, aspect with bright colors. What kind of prompts are you using to get that? And what what AI generative are you using? Because I really love it. I'm looking at all of those and thinking like they could all be prints that would look awesome on a wall somewhere. 
Thanks. Well, well, for me, it's actually quite easy <laughs> because uh, what I'm doing is uh, uh, I'm using uh, Night Cafe, uh, and uh, I believe that's the I believe that's the name. Uh, yeah, and, that's it. yeah, that's it. Um, and so, essentially, uh, in the book, along with each image, I'm having an index, and the index points to every URL, every URL of my Night Cafe. Uh, work so you can see that it was me that actually made it and you can see the prompt there and so essentially I have it's a very simple prompt it's just the it's just the three words followed by surreal oil painting basically that's it there's nothing nothing special and whatever whatever the algorithm comes up with I grab it I don't modify that algorithm I don't try to I don't try to finesse it or anything uh, uh, but then once I grab it of course I change the format the size so that it'll fit correctly on a page. And then I add captions at the bottom, you know, for the three words and, and I'll change it in other ways, but I don't actually change the way that the images are being generated. So it's all up to Night Cafe. I just let it do it itself. Well, it's amazing, dude, because I was looking at like the images in order yesterday and there's actually like a continuity of flow between the images. I mean, not without even the words, there's a continuity of flow between the images. Like, you know, you have like these like, these sort of like living blimp things that sort of transition to something else in the next one. It's really cool. So I think that's a method I'm going to have to like adopt and try just simple words and, and something, you know, some simple thing like surrealist oil painting, because it really is producing awesome results. Yeah. I, I noticed the same thing, which is really cool. So I added, I'm adding a few other things to the book besides just that big poem. There's other poems I'm adding, but there's also like a little short story where a girl is has the book in her hands and she's only looking at the pictures. And so then she's making up a story as she's interpreting the pictures. So it's sort of the reverse of how I created the book. You know, it had, instead of, you know, generating the pictures from a story, now she's generating a story just from the pictures. Um, but I don't know how long I'm going to make that short story because it's, it's starting to get, I, I don't know. It's, she may, she may interpret some of the images, but it's, it's an idea uh, that you can have some fun with. Okay. So you're going to read, but, First, I want to tell people, if you're interested in trying out these tools that we're talking about, uh, the first one you want to know about is Scent.co. That's C-E-N-T dot C-O. You can sign up for your own. It's sort of like a, um, like a link tree page, but it's much more. You can make NFTs. You can, you can communicate with your audience. It's really cool. I think a lot of us in here already are on it and use it. Uh, if you want to check out mine, it's vagobond.scent.co. Oddwritings is oddwritings.scent.co. Uh, Cryptoversal Books, I think is cryptoversal at dot cent dot co right not not cryptoversal books it's actually uh greg at uh cent dot co greg dot greg dot cent dot co <laughs> well that's way easier to spell <laughs> it's, it's easier to spell it's 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 inconsistent with with identity branding and identity i i i don't i at this point i can't change it okay and riona morgan uh we haven't said good morning but uh you have a cent page too it's i think well, just tell us rather than me guessing. Oh, okay. So hello, everyone. Happy Halloween. Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited to be here with all of you. I've been racing around celebrating all morning already. And so, yes, let me jump over and I can tell you what my scent page is because I don't have it memorized. Oh, yeah, it's pretty simple. RihannaMorgan.scent.co. Okay, so so no spaces, RihannaMorgan.scent.co. And the yes. other tool that we're talking about is Night Cafe. 
mighthcafe.studio. That's M-I-G-H-T-C-A-F-E dot studio. Um, it's really cool. They do have paid subscriptions, but they give you a certain amount. If you go in and click, you can get five credits every day to use it. It's amazing and fun. So check that out. All of that. Now we're going to go back to Odd Writings. And if you would read for us, that would be amazing. Hey, can I ask a question of Odd Writings real quick? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. That's uh, by the way. Yeah. Hey, this is uh, Paul Mitchell Bernstein. I, so I don't know anything about this stuff. I, I'm just an old writer. But um, so what I was wondering is these images, uh, do you own them or does the company that made the AI own them? And is, and is that whatever the rule is? Is it uh, is does that is it specific to each AI company and image generator or how does that work? Yeah, uh, I, I own the images. So whoever generates, I mean, whatever you type in, it comes out with an image and that's it. You own it. Um, that, now there are some some algorithms that uh, there is a little bit of controversy because the algorithms are trained on other people's art, and so some artists are saying, you know, hey, you know, we should get a little cut of this because I mean, this is this is generated from what from what we did. And so some 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 algorithms, I, I think Dali, uh, uh, it it doesn't allow you to put uh, proper names into the prompts uh, for that reason. Uh, but the, the the algorithm I'm using is is SDXL, I believe it is, um, and that doesn't have that restriction. So, uh, uh, but but in any case, I'm not using people's specific names, anyways. But but yeah, it's actually it's it's my image, and so I can. I can I, I just essentially have the copyright for it and other people can't use it for other things unless I give them the rights to do it. Okay, thanks. Okay, so um, I'll go ahead and start writing so I don't I don't hog this whole episode or right, <laughs> start reading rather. Um, and by the way, I'm I'm stoked Lawrence Fuller is in the audience. This he's uh, he's awesome. You got to check out his NFTs. They're just amazing. Okay. So uh, all right, I'll I'll start reading. So uh, Murder by Locomotive. Uh, <clears throat> Dark, the outside trains the eyes, detective. Visiting the rising sun, comforting somewhat the collapsed stars as children, their cherished dinosaurs, plays the distracting role. Leading his following bloomers, billowing Cecilia's, above the fray, growing blindly. Miscalculations, stony as plants, puncture the order eternal, and sublime justices suspect criminals subliminal. Prosecution and defense both move that words are untrustworthy vehicles, shrieking bloody murder of evidences only the truly material matter. Is this rule the fixed stars directing? Answers the detective, self-deceptive promises, virtuous the compromising. Duty of dereliction engineers corrupt conduct. Intent Lucifer's whisper clues, convincing lunatics to cleave shadows as moons following departed. Those of vision tunnel inside the light, the inside tunnel vision of those departed, following moons as shadows cleave to lunatics. Convincing clues whisper Lucifer's intent, conduct corrupt engineers. Dereliction of duty, compromising the virtuous, promises the self-deceptive detective the answers. Directing stars fix the rule. This is matter material, truly the only evidences of murder. Bloody, shrieking vehicles. Untrustworthy are words that move both defense and prosecution, subliminal criminals. Suspect justices, sublime and eternal, order the puncture. Plants as stony miscalculations, blindly growing, fray the above Cecilia's, billowing bloomers, following his leading role, distracting the plays. 
Dinosaurs cherished their children as stars collapsed the somewhat comforting sun. Rising, the, de the visiting detective eyes the trains outside the dark. Now, I know it's a, I know it's kind of hard to follow, but uh, uh, essentially, <laughs> essentially, it's uh, I, I'm trying not to not to say who is the victim, who is the murderer. But I'm trying to, and also trying to make it so that you can interpret it various ways, right? So, uh, anyways, I hope you, I hope you enjoyed it. That was, that was my reading. Enjoyed the hell out of it, and I, I just like every time you read, I'm so amazed that like it makes sense forward and backwards. I know that's the point, but it's such a hard thing to do. I've tried to to write one, and you're amazing, dude. I, I love it. So thank you so much for sharing that. That's very kind. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm also amazed every time you you read one of these. Um, it's 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 mind expanding to to think of how difficult it must be to go word by word forwards and backwards at the same time to to create and to craft this and then to pair it with these surrealist images um it's it's just hitting it out of the park for me thank you thank you thank you so cd i think i i have something that um has a, both a Halloween appropriateness uh, in terms of the um, the darkness of the content, perhaps, uh, and also a tie to the world of NFTs. Um, so I can do that whenever. I think uh, we do have a lot of other folks here. I think you should go for it, Edward, um, as long as it's not, you know, a 30-minute piece. And here's a quick caveat for everyone in the audience. If you do want to read, you're welcome to read your work, someone else's work. One thing we do ask is we do want the Web3 Writers Hour to be uh, – friendly for all ages. So if you have things that are adult themes, um, you know, like viol the, the Halloween stuff is okay. But what I mean is more the sexual stuff. If you're, if you're sharing that kind of stuff, maybe save it for a different time because um, we do want it to be family friendly. So we do reserve the right if we think that you cross the line to, to cut you off. But we hope that we don't have to do that. Edward, I think you should go for it, man. Yep. And I'll just add on. I think the um, sort of the target is maybe around, uh, you know, two minutes, uh, somewhere between one to three minutes, perhaps, which is uh, enough time for most poems and, and a good, uh, you know, segment of prose, I think, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. So that's what I'll shoot for here. Um, I will just start reading and then I can explain if we want, you know, what the relevance is to, to Web3. Uh, but this starts as follows. Uh, below the city with its alabaster minarets gleaming in the desert sun, its bustling markets and sparkling fountains under the grand central plaza where he will again be ritually tortured to death tomorrow. Beneath it all lurks the dungeon. It is to this place that he inevitably returns. Here are the familiar bars. There are the shackles for those too violent to quietly await their coming doom, empty now as they always are. In the corner crouches the malodorous bucket, too small really for the number of men obliged to use it. And here it is always only men. Women too commit crimes, but they are temporarily interred elsewhere beneath the city before being taken out for excruciation or execution. The new prisoner smiles and shrugs his ragged gray cloak to settle it on his shoulders, where the rough grip of the guards has disheveled it. Of all the cities in the world in which to be imprisoned, this is both the best and the worst. Always in this place, as in all places where strange, hard men mingle in close quarters, there is a ritual when a new fellow arrives. Unlike the salt sweat hold of a Corsair's galley or the neat Spartan interior of a military barracks, the initiation here will not require the newcomer to engage in physical struggle with the current champion to establish his place in the local hierarchy. Here, each man's relationship to the natural order of human violence is already ordained. All are dead men, and what need have dead men for more bruises and scars? 
The torturer will gift them more than they've ever possessed or desired soon enough. So there is no need to strive against one's cellmate in physical combat, which is good, because although still strong and possessed of certain powers, the new prisoner is not a young man, nor a large one. But still, there is a ritual, and it must be observed. Here, his opponent will issue a challenge that is merely verbal, and the gray-cloaked man's place in the ranks of the doom will be established by the answer. The challenger will not, he knows, be the largest and darkest of the lot. Let lesser bards tell tales in which right is white and black men are blackguards. Instead, he will be the one with the most terrible story and a fate commensurate. The prize, if it can be wrested from him, will be all the riches of this miserable demesne. The bit of meat in the quart of broth, the heaped straw in the corner, the first sip of water before 20 other parched lips have flavored it. Here in the dungeon, his challenger is a slender, beautiful young man of the palest complexion, an educated and aristocratic mien, full lips and cold, darkened eyes. But before the beautiful youth can lay out the ritual challenge, there is a clangor and thumping, the sound of heavy boots, chainmail, and sheathed swords. And this is not the ordinary changing of the watch with their thick leather armor and sullen truncheons. The prisoners stand and stare through the bars as the queen sweeps in, flanked by her guards and accompanied by her vizier. Only the recidivist newcomer remains seated, cross-legged, meditative, for to him her arrival is not unexpected. Show him to me, she orders. Show me this thief who dares to steal my story. And I think that's a, a good good place to stop. I was into it, man. I was into it. That's good. So uh, just to, to let you know, this is a, um, a character I very rarely write from prompts. I don't usually like writing from prompts, but I was in a, uh, a Harvard writing class where I was obliged to, and um, this story just kind of came from a prompt about, you know, imagine a visual, a very unique visual place. And um, then the character ended up being one. There's a, a NFT project, writing project called Quest of Evolution uh, that I spoke with early on. And I think uh, uh, Dylan's uh, done some work with them. I think he had the first, uh, the first of the sort of the generative NFTs to come out of that. Uh, but the challenge was to, you know, have essentially in the, the fiction category, you know, have five or six little starters to stories. And then you, the um, the original person puts out the little starter and the, the next person who buys the NFT gets to continue the story. And that can go on either infinitely in some cases or a specific number of times. Uh, and so this character ended up being a very good one to start uh, five um, very distinct, very unique little stories all set in sort of these, you know, kind of dark, grim places that don't look like they've got a very good way out. Um, and I would, uh, those have not yet come out with Quest of Evolution. It's on my to-do list to actually follow up, see where, where my um, contribution sits in their publishing process. Uh, but at some point, I'll be interested to see what other people do with this, um, this character uh, whose name is, um, is Thornaby. And I think that is it for me. But happy to entertain any questions anyone has about the process or the um, you know, the character or the where he's at or anything like that that you you might be interested in. But also very interested to hear what others uh, what others may have to read of their writings. I like the name Thornby, Thornaby or Thornby. It is Thornaby, but of the non-armigerous Thornabys. And there's a there are a lot of callouts to some of my favorite authors, and uh, there's a lot of interesting influences that I like to actually, with my short stories especially, do pretty detailed author's notes um, that explain you know some of the kind of the Easter eggs that some people may catch or some people may just wonder about. 
Super cool. Also, I got to admit, uh, as a longtime reader um, who you know doesn't live in an era where lots of words uh, in our language actually get used out loud, it's the first time that I've ever heard the word demesne out loud, and I never knew how to say it. I always said demen or something like that. So it's really great to actually hear it said out loud and finally know how to say it, demesne, right? I certainly hope so. That's the way I say it. And again, it's not a word I often uh, have to say out loud. Uh, but Rihanna, I think you've actually formally taught English, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, do you have a correction for either of our pronunciations? I do not, because I'm actually in CD's camp of that's a word that you read and not necessarily one that is said out loud. And so I, I, I'm going to land with you said it right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to jump in and be a big curmudgeon and inform the group that it's actually pronounced the man. Oh, great. <laughs> Good job. That's that's right. Right. Yeah. I, I learn a little something every day. I said it. Which actually does make sense because it does mean sort of a place and a lot of English words have a root in French and it seems it lines up well with domain, which would also kind of be your demand. So, uh, yeah, that, that does resonate. So I'll try to pronounce it better in the future. Hashtag cognates. <laughs> and you guys, this is why we come to the Web3 Writers Hour. This is what it's all about. We learn how to say demand. Um, and, you know, I want to say, I want to shout out to Piers Anthony. When I was a young guy, I read all the Piers Anthony books I could get my hand on. And he was the one who introduced me to that word for sure. So shout out to Piers Anthony. Edward, thank you for that. T. Dillon Daniel, thank you for actually jumping in, too. Yeah. And Incarnations of Immortality, if you need somewhere to start with Piers Anthony, um, that is a great, great starter set, I think. And actually, uh, another set of books I'd recommend is uh, oh, really quick. Oh. Brain's just gone dead on me. I'll come back to it. But it's a series from that time, a really important read. Uh, Princes, of, um, Princes of Amber. That's it. The Amber Chronicles. Um, oh, highly recommended. Roger Zelazny. Yeah. Yes. Absolute must read, in my opinion. This is why we're all friends. Oh, my God. We have the same like childhood reading list. Well, it's one reason. There's a lot more. So I wonder who wants to be up next to share something, some reading. Um, who's got something? Just open your mic. Oh, I, I have something I'd like to share, if I could. Do it. We love it. Awesome. Thanks. Um, so <clears throat> this this uh, this does use the F word twice. I could edit it if need be. I think the F word's okay. Thanks. Okay. And uh, I'll give a brief explanation afterwards anyway. Um, this is a piece that I'm currently working on. I think it might have some tent problems. But... Um, yeah, so I'm trying to get a feel for it. It's called uh, The Nightstand Drawer of Forgotten Earrings. The woman in my bed screamed, pointing at the small black girl crouched in the corner. A small black girl, not black like that, black like black, black like wet charcoal and seaweed, like some half-human glistening primordial lizard, emaciated and covered in viscous slime. In the dark, almost invisible, if not for her skin reflecting the television's light. Her skin stretched thin across bones that seem a little too thick, a little too long. She's huddled in the corner facing the wall, whispering to herself and scratching at the floor. Ignore her, I said to the woman in my bed. She can't hurt us. I get up. I walk to the corner and shove her oversized head down hard to the floor, 
hard enough to knock her over, knowing that she can't be knocked over. Leave, I scream, get the fuck out of here. But her bare black feet stay put as if nailed to the floor, and she scratches at the floor and whispers, hissing something reptilian. Shit, I said to the woman in my bed, I don't even think she knows we're here. I shove her again, grab a handful of her matted black hair and yank her head back. The clumps of it between my fingers feel wet, like thick, wet clots of blood, but she doesn't budge. I light a cigarette, take a long, deep drag, then burn her with it, pushing its bright red cherry into the bulging vertebrae of her spine until it sizzles out. She doesn't feel anything, I said. She's just here, I said. She doesn't care about us. But the woman in my bed gets up in a panic. What the fuck, she says, and starts to get dressed. Please, I say, don't go. She can't hurt us. She's just here, I say, but she can't hurt us. Please, I say, don't leave. But the woman who was in my bed leaves and in her rush to get out forgets her earrings on the nightstand. So I put them in the drawer with all the others then lie down against the headboard of the bed and light another cigarette. I turn up the volume on the television as loud as it will go so I don't hear the half-human little creep in the corner scratching and whispering. Then there's the pounding on the wall from next door, the neighbor yelling for me to turn the television down. Every night he yells and I ignore it. Eventually I drift off to sleep and when I wake up, there's nobody there. There's never anybody there. It was amazing, dude. Thank you. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah. So this was um, I started this a long time ago. Uh, for, it was based on a, a nightmare that I had many years ago. And um, in the nightmare, I woke up and there was this thing in the corner scratching at the floor and whispering. And I told it to leave and it wouldn't leave. And I remember as sometimes dreams, you know, we have these weird sort of feelings and dreams. I had this feeling that whatever this thing was, that it was with me and that it wasn't going anywhere, you know, that it was like something that was just with me and would always be with me. So when I woke up, I started to write the, the, the dream down and I had the thought, like, what if, uh, you know, how would it, like, what if this thing was with me? How could I ever have like a relationship? How could I have people over? Like, you know, this weird thought of like how it would affect my life to have this thing in the corner all the time. And uh, so it never went anywhere and I put it aside and it's been about a decade. And then because of a prompt uh, recently to, you know, to write a spooky poem, I went and I found it and I've been playing with it for the past few days. And, and um, yeah, that's it. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to read it. Well, I, for one, really enjoyed not just your, your reading voice, but also your writing voice. Um, it's powerful. And I really appreciate the fact that you shared it. So I want to want to give anybody else a chance to comment, to say anything if you'd like. So go ahead. And then I do have something short that I'd like to share. Yeah, I really like I really like that story. It's it's a you know, that poem slash story. I think it could work both ways. And uh, it's kind of a, it has an interesting uh, psychological fear to it. You know, that's that's what really gets to me is, is, is the psychology behind it. So uh, that that's a good job. Good job on that. That's that's good. Yeah, that dreamlike quality just comes through so strong. Uh, wow. I mean, really, really good stuff. I, I enjoyed that as well. CD, you go for it, and then I got something short to read after you're done. Amazing. Um, that's perfect. So, okay, guys. So 
it's Halloween today, October 31st, but I do want to point out that around the world, this is celebrated in different ways. October 31st, Halloween is a, a holiday that's celebrated in different cultures and different ways and different religions in different ways. And in the religion of baldism, which I think most of you are familiar with, if you're not, go to baldism.org. In the religion of baldism, we have a different name for October 31st, and that is White Paper Day. So in honor of that, this is the day that Satoshi Nakamoto published the white paper. I'd like to read the very terrifying Bitcoin white paper, but I'll just read the conclusion for you. And I'm going to do it in my creepiest voice. We have proposed a system for electronic transactions without relying on trust. We started with the usual framework of coins made from digital signatures, which provides strong control of ownership but is incomplete without a way to prevent double spending. To solve this, we proposed a peer-to-peer -peer network using proof of work to record a public history of transactions that quickly becomes computationally impractical for an attacker to change if honest nodes control a majority of CPU power. The network is robust in its unstructured simplicity. Nodes work all at once with little coordination. They do not need to be identified since messages are not routed to any particular place and only need to be delivered on a best effort basis. Nodes can leave and rejoin the network at will, accepting the proof of work chain as proof of what happened while they were gone. They vote with their CPU power, expressing their acceptance of valid blocks by working on extending them and rejecting invalid blocks by refusing to work on them. Any needed rules and incentives can be enforced with the consensus mechanism. Thank you guys very much for my dramatic reading of the conclusion of Satoshi Nakamoto's Bitcoin white paper. Satoshi Nakamoto is H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, buddy. H.P. Lovecraft. You know what? If, if we ever fix the page now white paper and like republish it, I, I think you should make an audio book of it in that voice CD. <laughs> well, we do what we can. But uh, you guys should, if you haven't read the Bitcoin white paper, you should go read it and you should check it out because it is important. And you can find that at Bitcoin.org. Or probably somewhere locally on your computer if you have a Mac, right? They, in the last update, they actually got rid of it. No! That was like my favorite random geeky thing. Oh, okay. Now, now I'm going to read you guys kind of a, kind of a creepy poem from, from Bring Back Satire. This one's called Mirror. The thing about fog is that sometimes it can lift a veil you didn't know was there. Make you stop and in a glance see more clearly through translucent air. It puts a thought unbidden, a mystery unimagined, a different scent upon the air. And if you should choose to stop, turn aside a moment and hear. Susurrus, stir, reflection, a fog is a mirror. Dylan, who did you say the author was on that? Oh, that was me. Uh, it was in Bring Back Satire, which is the first book I ever published on the blockchain, all the way back in 2021. 
Oh, good, good. I thought I thought you uh, you mentioned somebody else, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Dylan's uh, reading someone else's poem, but that's cool. It's yours. Awesome. Loved it, Dylan. Thanks so much. And hey, you guys, I do want to point out that on Friday you will want to join Dylan and myself. I'll be joining him, and we're going to be doing something special. Uh, so, Dylan, why don't you go ahead and tell about it? Yeah, sure, CD. Um, so, so folks, um, our, we all know that our good friend uh, CD Demicio has been uh, working hard on spaces, working on Vagabond Magazine, working on putting content together to, to then put in front of the audience that he is building. Um, I've, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, audience creation. And, and there, there was kind of an old Bukowski story uh, about how he got published by just basically harassing this guy from, I think, the Black Sparrow Press. Um, you know, by sending him like a short story or two every week until he finally published uh, My Beer Drunk Soul is Sadder Than All the Dead Christmas Trees in the World. Um, and, and because he was a made man after that. Um, so, so I'm kind of thinking about this in terms of, you know, just exactly what's shaken here in Web3, what's shaken with, you know, this group of writers. Um, you know, it looks to me like there's an audience forming. Um, and, and CD is uh, working really hard on that um, to, to basically, you know, just just stack the content, you know, just just put things out for everybody. Um, so, so kudos to you, CD, for, for putting your effort in. Um, and, and basically what, what the what the chance is here for me to, you know, kind of be a Bukowski, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and put something out there, you know, for, for folks is uh, happening this Friday. Ba basically, I've got this big project, this worldview ethics. Um, we mentioned Quest of Evolution earlier. Thank you, Edward, for the shout out with respect to that. Um, they're now called Blogbook. Um, but, but actually, since the launch of Blogbook, CD has actually jumped in and submitted a contribution to, to one of the essays. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that may all be, you know, kind of beside the point. But uh, what's happening right now is actually <laughs> super exciting. Uh, for, for the first time ever, I'm launching a podcast in which I'm going to be the host. And so every other Friday, what we're going to do is I'm, I'm going to come to you with a totally different audio setup. I know right now my voice probably sounds just like garbage. <laughs> um, that's how the AirPods are. I don't know why I logged in with my AirPods. I probably should have just gone al fresca as it were. But in any case, uh, on Friday, there is going to be a show. We, we've got a show planned. We've got actually three shows planned for the end of the year. Um, and basically every other week on Fridays, uh, you know, except for the one that's like after Christmas and the one where CD is going to be out of town, uh, we are going to come to you and we're, we're going to provide a discussion around a, a paper that, that I have written and the CD has read. And so we're basically going to kind of have some, some kind of uh, discussion. We're, we're going to take up different sides of dialectics. Uh, we're we're going to present philosophical viewpoints, um, hopefully in a way that Katie from Synth is really going to like, and she's going to come out and you know support, and, and it's not going to be over her head anymore, and, and she's she's going to be the first of many to uh, become acquainted with this project because we just had this wonderful tool in Twitter Spaces to to you know put this stuff out to the world, to make it accessible, and and to make it really really enjoyable. Um, so so we're putting in the effort. And, and we hope to bring you guys just an absolutely spectacular show. We're going to do everything we can to make it really good, make it really professional, um, give it good audio quality. And yet we're going to be hosting it here on Twitter Spaces. So you can come jump in and join us and, and be a part of, you know, the show, uh, of, of the podcast. 
So uh, thank you so much for being here today for the Web3 Riders Hour. And at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Friday, here on Twitter Spaces, uh, we will have the first ever DPhil Dialectic Hour. So that's, that's what we're calling the podcast. So DPhil is for Decentralized Philosophy. Dialectic is what we're going to be doing for the hour. And uh, we hope you all really, really enjoy it. Hey, T. Dylan Daniel here, and I want to announce that I am teaming up with Vagabond Magazine to bring you the DPhil Dialectic Hour. DPhil Dialectic Hour will be a bi-weekly discussion of popular and scientific ideas in the philosophy of consciousness. So buckle up, this wild ride starts Friday, November the 3rd. George, see that hand? Go for it. Hey, Dylan, I just wanted to say, uh, are, are you guys going to make it into a, uh, are you going to save it, the podcast, and maybe put it on Apple iTunes or something? I, I, unfortunately, every every Friday I'm out of town. I, I take care of my parents on the weekends. Um, and Friday and Saturday are pretty much, I'm, I'm gone. Sometimes I'm back by, by Sunday. And uh, because I don't have a, a smartphone or a cell phone, and because my the internet connection at my parents' place is very iffy, given that they're using you know Windows 97 or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is at this point, and they never keep anything up to date, uh, I, I'm 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 hesitant to uh, attempt to join, um, especially if something might happen with my dad and I need to be there, you know, pronto. So so. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely record it. I, I, I wish I could make it live, but I'm not going to be able to make that one. First and foremost, I just want to say that I absolutely love how anxious you sound about potentially missing this. Uh, man, I, I really appreciate your support. Uh, everybody, this is George. He's the first ever collector of a worldview ethics NFT. So, so um, yeah, big shout out to you. Big salute to you. And um, to answer your question, yes, sir. Uh, you know, this, this podcast is going to be recorded via Twitter spaces. And after that, it's going to go live um, everywhere that the Vagabine excuse me, <laughs> uh, Vagabond Magazine podcasts are distributed. So so on all the same channels that you'll find, Web3 Writers Hour um, and VMGM, you're, you're going to be able to find this podcast as well. Yeah, and I want to jump in here too and say that, uh, George, it's also possible because I think your voice is going to be important to get in there at, at a couple different points. So it is possible that maybe you and Dylan can uh, do like a Zoom talk and save it as mp3 and then we can we can play that into the recorded audio version i haven't figured out um twitter spaces have some limitations for playing back stuff just because of i'm using my phone for it mostly but for the apple podcast version and the vagabond.substack.com version we'll be able to take recorded audio and put that in there so that that's distributed with it and we'd love to have your voice there i'm, I'm sure dylan and i have actually talked about that and i'm a little heartbroken that you won't be able to make it on fridays yeah in fact uh you know we can we can schedule a special call or i mean i don't know at some point depending on you know how many people actually want to you know come to a spaces on fridays at two central uh, we, we might be able to look at a different time uh, even and, and shift it to accommodate you, George, because you are such a core part of the project, and uh, I, I really did not realize that you were going to be able to weren't going to be able to make it on Fridays. 
Okay, well, we will leave that discussion for you gentlemen to figure out. Um, I do want to see if, because I touched on the fact that different cultures look at this day differently, and I wanted to check in with Riona Morgan and see about Sawain, and maybe you have a, something you'd like to share with us. So let's see. I was talking about Samhain and how it's an ancient festival by the Celtic people and many of their beliefs from long ago um, drifted into modern time. And so the Celtic people used to carve turnips instead of pumpkins to ward off evil spirits. And they used to dress in um, costume to hide from spirits who weren't supposed to find them and so that they would be recognizable by their ancestors who came to visit because they believed that on this day the veil between the living world and the spirit world was thin and that their loved ones could come and visit and so it's such a lovely thought and such a lovely honor to be able to share that with you. And I do have something I could read, but maybe we'll save it for another time because um, it's out and about. It's available. I think I, I it was my very first thing that I published on the blockchain. It's called The Last Laugh. And I think I published it on Readle, but I can't recall because I've published so many different places. But um, so I don't want to take up any more time. I want others to to share their pieces. But I do want to say I love you all so much. And thank you for um, celebrating such a lovely day today. And may the magic of Samhain visit you. I'm just going to tell you guys about this is not a Web3 poem. It's a poem that I'm not going to read you the entire thing. But uh, if I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the poet Ogden Nash. Uh, Ogden Nash is, he was the poet laureate of the United States at one point, but his, his prose is pretty old fashioned and it's not in a very popular vein today, but I've always really liked Ogden Nash. And there's one particular poem that is called A Tale of the 13th Floor that it's just, it's so haunting. And the reason why it's haunting uh, is because, and by the way, shout out to Rihanna Morgan for this. Like I was trying, trying so hard to remember what this poem was. And I, I threw a couple verses at her and she like came back and was like, oh, that's Ogden Nash, Tale of the 13th Floor. But the reason why I love this poem, so thank you, Rihanna, um, is because it's it's a story, but it's also got this plot line. I mean, so there's, there's all this stuff in this poem that you don't necessarily notice right away, but every person named in it is an actual murderer or a victim of a famous early American crime. Every one of them. And so he gives this insight into a sense of moral outrage by giving um, giving all these like murderers a sort of like death sentence um, in the fantastic imagery of it. So what I'll do is I'll read you guys just like just a random uh, a random snippet from it. Uh, maybe maybe two stanzas and then we'll see if Riona's back or if Cryptoversal is back. The lift doth rise with groans and sighs like a duck. And in the shaft, like a duchess shaft, it changes its mind and halts. The bum bites lip as the landlocked ship doth neither fall nor rise, but Maxie the elevator re boy regards him with burning eyes. First to explore the thirteenth floor, says Maxie, would be wise. Quoth the bum, there's moss on your double cross, I've seen this way before. I've cased the joint at every point, there is no thirteenth floor. The architect, he skipped direct from twelve on to fourteen. There is twelve below and fourteen above, and nothing in between. 
for the vermin who dwell in this hotel could never abide 13. So you guys, I recommend that you read it. I will uh, post it up in the, uh, in the nest for us. And if you're listening to this on Apple podcast, it's a tale of the 13th floor by Ogden Nash, but let's check in with Riona and Cryptoversal. See if you guys are back. And also Sylvie. Hi. I love Ogden Nash. That is so amazing. I'm so, I was just grinning and grinning while you were reading. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. And I'm also back. I, I Sorry, I had a phone call I had to take. Um, but if we have a little time, I do have a short story um, that I originally wrote uh, as part of a proposal for Quest of Evolution. I uh, haven't moved forward with that yet, but uh, perhaps I can send it their way. Well, Cryptoversal, why don't we do this? We'll, um, we'll close out the show with you reading that. Um, and right now, I just want to say quickly, we've got Sylvie Backs up on the stage, and it's so rare that we have you here, Sylvie. I. Oh, hey, Sylvie. Hey, loves. How are you? Happy Halloween. Um, We're so glad to have you here. Do you, do you have something that you'd like to share with us? Well, I think I'll save it as well for another time because it's not um, really Halloween-y. And um, I think, yeah, I think I'll wait. But um, I was interested in what Rihanna was saying about, because obviously, you know, I'm half Celt and it's a, it's a big deal in Scotland. It's called um, guising. We call it guising, not trick-or-treat. So that's quite interesting. <laughs> that's wonderful, Sylvie. I love it. I love it. I always love when you are having a moment to spend time with us and share part of your world with us. So thank you so much for coming and blessed Samhain to you. Oh, thank you. I'm just sorry I came in on the end. Um, I'll try and be earlier next time. I'll just say peace out now. Well, get out there and do some gazing with the geezers. <laughs> I think that, that hands the mic to you, Mr. Cryptoversal Books. All right. This is called The Wizard of Ooze. Behind the Francisco residence on Rural Route 9, a purple puddle bubbled and oozed outward expanding the ring of blackened grass by another inch. Uh, yep, what you got here, Mrs. Francisco, is known as a vernal spring, the inspector stated. Mrs. Francisco looked from the inspector to the putrid puddle and back. Inspector Morris, am I right in assuming that vernal is bureaucrat speak for toxic? Stench from the sludge is peeling the wallpaper from my kitchen. I want to know what the county intends to do about it. The inspector shook his head like a shaggy dog stepping out of a springtime downpour. I'm just Bob today, ma'am. I left my credentials back on the desk. Inspections are currently running at a six-month backlog, so I'm only here as a friendly reminder to the community, dropping by to say howdy. A butterfly, overcome by the fumes billowing from the purple ooze, spiraled downward into the puddle. As it contacted the surface, its wings caught fire. Howdy, said Mrs. Francisco through gritted teeth. So, Bob, until you come back in six months, as Inspector Morris, six months is an estimate, not a guarantee, Bob warned. Mrs. Francisco bit her bottom lip, puckered, and started again. Until you come back in your official capacity, could we maybe have a fence put up to keep the neighborhood kids from falling into this pit pustule, or at least some warning signs? Sorry, ma'am, fencing is reserved for officially designated public health and safety hazards. You'll need to submit an application to the county inspector's office, which I'm told is running at a six-month backlog. You are the county inspector, said Mrs. Francisco through gritted teeth. Nope, at the moment, I'm just Bob. 
Mrs. Francisco spat into the puddle. Her saliva sizzled like an egg on a hot griddle. Fine. We'll put up our own damn fence. Bob clucked his tongue. Sorry, Mrs. Francisco. Thelma, could I call you Thelma? Sorry, Thelma. But this here is conservation land. This here is 20 feet from my goddamn kitchen window and spreading closer every minute. Mrs. Francisco marched back toward the three-bedroom slab ranch and drew a line with her foot, six inches from the foundation. She extended the line to the corner of the house and beyond until it crossed the footpath from the road. There, that's our property line. A place where good neighbors are free to build good fences. Or a big, good cinder block wall. Whatever it takes to contain that oozing menace. Thelma, as a friendly community member and as your friend, I sympathize with what you're going through. But the county can't allow you to block public access to conservation land based on wild speculation. We're proud of our environmental protection laws. They're some of the strongest in the the country. But every action has to be done through proper channels. And until we have some testing results that can support further action, until all stakeholders have signed off and all the paperwork is duly filed, the law requires us to presume that anything that bubbles up from the ground is pure, clean, natural spring water. (laughs) What was that last part? I said, even if it's located on a former toxic waste dump site like this one is. Bob stated a few decibels louder and just a little more distinctly. What dump site? Mrs. Francisco, Thelma, it's a matter of public record that two decades ago, the site we're standing on was a bastion of mad science. Two decades. Mrs. Francisco's jaw dropped. You don't mean the quarter blood prince, do you? The potion-based supervillain who thought he was a wizard? I thought he worked out of a shack in the deep woods. This was deep woods. Back, when the whole a- back before the whole area was cleared, remediated, capped, and covered. Now it's a housing development adjoining conservation land. The paperwork is duly filed with the county, including the declaration that the whole area has been restored to a pristine condition. That's our baseline assumption. In the absence of a determination otherwise from the county inspector's office, and they're currently running at a six-month backlog. Mrs. Francisco dropped her shoulders in defeat. (sighs) I guess that's why this house was in our price range. Can I walk you back to your truck, Bob? That would be most neighborly of you, Thelma. From the street in front of the Francisco residence, the only evidence to be seen of the environmental horror show behind the house was a 30-foot maple tree that came crashing down unexpectedly amidst the flutter of birds. Third one today, Mrs. Francisco observed darkly. Sorry I couldn't be any more helpful, but my hands are tied. You understand. I understand, Bob. You're only doing your job. Thanks for stopping by it. Oh, where are my manners? I never offered you any of my famous homemade lemonade. I just made a fresh batch before you arrived. Well, Bob licked his lips. That would be nice. I am a bit parched, and I do love fresh lemonade. Who doesn't? Mrs. Francisco reached into her bag for a glass bottle of bubbly purple fluid. The inspector's face took on a buttermilk pallor as Mrs. Francisco twisted off the cap, allowing a toxic tang to escape into the air. It's made from pure, clean, natural spring water, from land that the county inspector's office has declared to be pristine. Go on, Bob. Drink up. I'll stop it there. <laughs> I love how uh, how your stuff like goes into the hell of bureaucracy so often. Right? It's awesome. It's based on a true story. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's something that I was working on. 
pretty amazing. Uh, so we're about out of time. Edward, uh, you want to you jump in here? And actually, do you want to walk us through the ending today? Uh, sure. I think we, we usually try to hold these right about an hour, which is right about where we're at. And we usually close out with uh, everybody turning their mics on um, and just uh, uh, saying the words aloha, which uh, is Hawaiian. It's hello. It's goodbye. Um, but it represents uh, kind of feeling from the heart. Uh, hope I got that close enough. And uh, so on the count of three, perhaps we can have a heartfelt aloha. Uh, one, two and three. Hello. 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 Hello.